The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. Now it's time to look back at all the stories that were trending this week. Delighted to be joined in studio by Kieran Cunningham, Chief Sports Writer with the Irish Daily Star. And on the line we have Laura Byrne, Deputy News Editor with the Journal.ie. Good evening, folks. Good to see you all. Thanks, Ian. Good to be here. Laura, might start with you. And I want to go to Boris Johnson, who is somebody who is never out of the headlines. There's been a lot of them this week, but he has been strutting his stuff on the global stage, talking about the war in Ukraine and speaking about Vladimir Putin, the Russian president, saying that if Vladimir Putin was a woman, he wouldn't be carrying out this atrocious war. Tell us about it. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, Boris, what a man to strut, really. You know, it's 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 totally on brand for him. So the background to this scene is that the leaders of the G7 summit uh, met this week. And I suppose many of us would remember those kind of uncomfortable photos of Putin over the years where he's uh, on the back of a horse, topless, uh, you know, presenting himself as the hard man. So uh, uh, Boris sits down with his colleagues at the G7 summit and he said, uh, joking, that he, he said, we should show we're tougher than Putin by taking our tops off, show them our pecs, he said. And he was followed then by Canadian leader Justin Trudeau who said, yeah, let's go go for it, we'll ride bare-chested. So I suppose a, a bit of jibing there. Uh, you would like to think that if they were smarter guys, maybe they'd do it because they feel there's a reason to maybe poke the bear. But I would say that it was just pure banter. Uh, it, it prompted Putin to respond saying, well, actually, I wouldn't like to see any of the Western leaders on horseback. They drink too much and they should play a bit more sport. So this is the kind of background. In the Following the G7 summit, then uh, Boris has an interview with German media and he said, had uh, Putin been a woman, this would this war in Ukraine wouldn't be happening, and this is all down to toxic masculinity. Now, I'd say there's people better educated than he to be able to comment on that one way or another. And what this really shows is that Boris just cannot stop himself. He just he's like a runaway train with this kind of thing. It prompted his foreign secretary Liz Truss to distance herself from the comments and say, "Look, this isn't very helpful. What's happening in Ukraine is very serious." I've never met Vladimir Putin, she said, but what I know is what he's doing there is appalling and, you know, you can't just put it down to toxic masculinity. Not the best week for uh, diplomacy or... No, no. And Kieran Cunningham, I I think Boris Johnson's the last person we really need to be making off-the-cuff interventions in a very serious matter. Yeah, and... um you know he's he's reinvented himself a few t- uh, on a few occasions over the years, but I never thought he'd, he'd try and reinvent himself as a feminist icon, <laughs> and even to, even to hear the words toxic masculinity God from Boris us. Johnson, there's an irony to it. But especially because it's a Tory party leader, yes. and every night they genuflect in front of their giant portraits of Margaret Thatcher with a vote of light under it. I would, I would say with quite a few of them, and she um, she never met a war that she didn't love. So like it's forty <laughs> years this year since the Falklands conflict. There was all sorts of wars that she was very uh, keen to uh, aid the Americans or lend support to Ronald Reagan. And there were there were other kind of wars. Like there was a great drama on BBC called Sherwood that came to a close this week. Don't spoil it for me or anyone no, else who hasn't seen it yet. Yeah, but, but just a rough synopsis. It, it's um, it's in a Nottingham village that was a, a pit village. And there's 40 years on, there's a legacy from the minor strike. It's very divided over the people who crossed the pickets and who didn't. And then there's a couple of murders tied into that. And uh, a couple of police officers involved at the time and who are still involved investigating the murders. But in that uh, solicitor act on behalf of the miners' union, you know, calls it a war. Like it was a war that Margaret Thatcher picked. 
it was a war to break the unions. It was a war between North and South. And she loved war. Like, she loved conflict. And Boris is and loving is, this war because he is extremely yeah. popular in the in Ukraine. He is, after Zelensky, yeah. the most popular leader. So this is doing, every time Boris opens his mouth on Ukraine, he's he sees himself doing well out of it. Yeah, absolutely. And... Uh, like there's a, there's a story in Private Eye this week that I won't detail about. Uh, people can Google it. But Boris Johnson and his partner Carrie, and with any other politician or any other occupation, if it happened, you think you haven't hope. You're at the door. And yes, here be he sad. is this week talking. But it was about just br- it was just brushed past. <laughs> and there's so many things like that in his career that he just seems bulletproof. He's yeah, like, I agree. I agree with Karen. Sorry, sorry. And just say, I think this story really says more about Boris's inability to taper what he says than than Putin's sort of hard man image. And I get the impression that honestly, at this point, Putin or Boris could put children down into mines, and he would still stay. In, in the comments, he just seems untouchable now after the last few months. Yeah, he's got a lot of interesting things happening this week. Even today, you see one member of the Conservative Party, the Deputy Chief Whip, has had to resign his position for groping men at a drinks party the other evening. Actually, let's stick with UK politics because I love this story. And Kieran, it is quasi a sports story. This is the British Cabinet Minister, Nadine Dorries, who is the Cabinet Minister for Digital, Culture, Media and Sport. And she was at an event uh, in, in a town in the north of England the other day where she was speaking about rugby and her love of rugby rugby league let's have a listen to her knowledge about rugby league i've always quite liked the idea of rugby league um, because from what i've heard it's uh, i mean i've noticed my 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 long-standing memory is that 2003 drop goal um the ruby was secret i think we were drinking bloody berries at the time it wasn't left o'clock in the morning but wow, what a moment that was. <laughs> Karen Cunningham, oh. Chief Sports Writer with the Star. Uh, I think you're more qualified than me to explain a bit of this to our audience, but also to Nadine Dorries. Yeah, well, well, I think uh, most people know it was Johnny Wilkinson that scored the drop totally goal. totally different And it's totally different sport, and it was Rugby Union, not Rugby League. Uh, there's a sharp divide between rugby league and rugby union people. Rugby league people are generally north of England working class. They would not appreciate that mistake being made but it reminds me it just reminds me that politicians should stay away from sport should never talk about sport and it, uh, the brief of ministers for sport shouldn't be given to a politician it should be given to someone else because we have to remember we had Shane Ross and Shane Ross had a lot of these kind of gaffes you know the, the maybe the best one was Sunita Paspuri the rower uh, became world champion and he issued there was a uh, there was a headline, I think, on an RTE report on it, on the website, and it described her as dominant. And the, he issued a press release congratulating dominant Puspuri. I think they thought dominant was her first name. <laughs> when, oh Thomas ba- when Thomas Barr got to an Olympic final, you know, he issued a press release thanking Thomas Barry. So there was all sorts of... And there, famously, there was the Kearney brothers, wasn't it... Uh, he he, oh, he, yes, he got pictured with Dave Kearney and I think he thought it was Rob Kearney. So <laughs> we actually had a great headline of that, Chili Ron Kearney. <laughs> Laura, Nadine Dorris, she's somebody who has got a lot of viral clips over the last couple of months because she's never found a microphone she won't comment into and putting her foot into it while she's doing it. Well, this is the thing, and I feel like poor uh, there's some poor speechwriter slash intern getting the boot, I'd say, after this one. And I agree with Kieran, like that... If you're not a sporting expert, you should play it straight if you happen to be sporting minister. You know, I don't pretend to know too much about league or union, but I do know that they're different. 
but I wouldn't just go wading myself in. And I, I think she either needs to look at her team and reassess who she's, or, or else she, you know, I suppose she's, it's just, as I said, it's on brand for her. But she did try and row this back. You know, she tweeted and obviously I've followed rugby league much less in my lifetime. I'm looking forward to watching Inland. You know, I suppose when you're explaining to that level, you're in trouble. So keep it straight. I mean, you talk about Shane Ross. Shane Ross was never shy. There was a press release after anyone and everyone in any sporting event. If, if someone who won an egg and spoon race down in the in the school yards, you got a press release from Shane and you had to admire him for it on one level. Yeah, and I think Nadine Doris as well, where she was doing this, it was the launch of the Rugby League World Cup, which has taken place a year later, later on this year in England. She was speaking in St. Helens, which I think would be one of the traditional heartlands mm-hmm. for Rugby League. You're pretty much insulting a whole group of people. So, <laughs> But Nadine Doris, like Boris Johnson, she seems to be able to do this and get away with it a fair bit. Our panel is going to be sticking with us. We're going to be finding out why Ted Cruz is picking on Elmo. Stay with us. We've got to check on the traffic now with Neve O'Reilly. Travel update with Circle K. Making your fleet management easier with Circle K Pro Fuel Card. Starting in Dublin, the Navan Road inbound is closed near the Ashtown roundabout as services deal with a crash. And outbound traffic is heavy from Cabra Cross. On the M50, it's extremely heavy in both directions towards Junction 7. Southbound delays start at Junction 13. Meanwhile, northbound delays starting from the M1 interchange. Elsewhere, there's a crash on the N2 inbound at the Bingless interchange. And as a result, there are delays exiting the M50 northbound. For those of you in Tipperary, services are dealing with a crash on the M8 southbound between Junction 8 feathered and junction 9 cashel south and finally in cork it's heavy on all approaches to the Duncattle interchange especially heading west on the n25 neve o'reilly today fm travel the last word with matt cooper and the 100 electric opal vivaro e continental tires irish fan of the year 2022 the moment you got told the good news rob you made the panel when the lads added you into the group Skipping nights out, missing the crack, re-watching classics and learning new tricks, being driven to the biggest game of your life by your mam. And then you finally come on in the 51st minute. It's the minor moments that last a lifetime. The Electric Ireland GAA Minor Championships. This is Major. It's the final weekend of the Harvey Norman Big Sale and your last chance to save big on sofas, dining furniture, outdoor furniture and more. Save up to 40% on our range of stylish and comfortable sofas. Get up to 50% off dining tables. Huge savings on all in-stock outdoor furniture, including dining and lounge sets, fire pits and more. Plus, save up to 50% on outdoor accessories. For big savings this summer, shop the Harvey Norman Big Sale in-store and online. Must end Sunday. Westlife are back with the Wild Dreams Tour. Friday, July 8th and Saturday, July 9th, Aviva Stadium. With special guests, Sugar Babes and Soleil. Tickets from 69.50 on sale now. Additional charges may apply. Subject to license. Westlife. Performing all your favourite Westlife hits and more. Tickets on sale now. SETU is a place for now. 
We are Ireland's newest technological university with campuses in Waterford, Carlow and Wexford. SETU is a place for the future. A university with inspiring degrees and opportunities for study abroad, work placement and exciting careers. SETU is a place for you. A place to live, to learn and to grow. Find your place at Southeast Technological University. Visit setu.ie. There are no limits to what you can do this summer, especially with Air Prepay. For just €20 top-up, enjoy no limits 5G data, unlimited calls and unlimited texts. Sign up to Air Prepay this summer to get this amazing price forever. Head over to air.e for more. But hurry, this offer is so good it has to end on the 27th of July. Air, let's make possible. Subject to €20 top-up every 28 days. Offer ends July 27th. Fair usage applies. For full terms, see air.e. Want to win the ultimate festival experience? Electric picnic tickets are now on offer every week this summer with Aldi. Plus side stage viewing, glamping and your festival essentials too. Just spend €40 euro or more in store, take a snap of your receipt, upload it to aldi.ie forward slash electric picnic for a chance to win big. Who knows, while you're in store you might even find a special buy festival tent. Aldi, every day amazing. 18 plus only, end September 11th, excludes alcohol, prices and full T's and C's at aldi.ie forward slash electric picnic. The Euro Millions jackpot is an estimated 200 million euro. Play responsibly in store, in app, or at lottery.ie. The National Lottery. It could be you. The last word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. And you're welcome back to The Last Word. Ian Guider in for Matt today. We're looking back at all the stories that were trending this week. Laura Byrne from the journal.ie and Kieran Cunningham from the Irish Daily Star are with us. Kieran, I want to start now on this part of it, looking at what's going on in the United States and COVID-19 and vaccination, which is something the Americans haven't really embraced as much as we have over here in Ireland or in Europe. So vaccination rates are still quite low, but they are moving through the age range and getting young children under the age of five to take up a vaccination and who better a spokesperson for vaccination than Elmo Uh, but not everybody is happy that Elmo from the Muppets got his shot this week yeah because the shots um, became widely available in the states for children under five and I didn't realize Elmo was still under five but apparently three and a half he's been three and a half since 1984 so I'd love to know a secret how the secret to eternity youth clearly lies in Elmo's genes but um, he, he tweeted about, or sorry, no, the you know there was uh, quotes attributed to uh, Elmo saying it was a little pinch, but it was okay. And this didn't go down well with Senator Ted Cruz, the well-known Republican senator, and he took to Twitter uh, having a go, uh, accusing Elmo of aggressively advocating for vaccinating children under five, under five, capital letters. You cite zero scientific evidence for this. Uh, zero capital letters. And for some reason, he seems to have it in for the Muppets because he had a run-in with Big Bird after Big Bird had his shot last year. So uh, I don't like this weaponization of Muppets. Like it, it happened to the one show a couple of years ago on BBC that somebody pinned a poppy onto Cookie Monster uh, during around Remembrance Sunday. 
And it's, it's very unfair to, you know, to, to people we all owe a lot to and we've grown up to alongside. And I actually remember, I don't know if you remember this controversy and it goes back to Mary Robinson's time as president, but we had our own big bird controversy that she was inspecting troops in the Irish Army at one stage in one of the barracks and she was wearing a long yellow dress and as she was walking along, one of the soldiers says, here comes big bird. And the soldier ended up being <laughs> reprimanded. So there you go. <laughs> Laura, just Ted Cruz is somebody who really can't help himself in these things at a time when you kind of say to yourself, of all the people to attack, Elmo is one of the most popular around the world. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I can't, I can't make Ted Cruz out. I mean, think about it. You know, he's a Texas senator. He's staunchly anti-abortion, pro-death penalty. Uh, he's called environmental advocates, global warming alarmists. He's saying they're the equivalent of flat earthers. This guy s- thinks it's okay for anyone to go in and buy an AR-15 assault rifle, by the way, with no background checks. And we all know what happened in his home state of Texas in Uvalde recently. So, you know, he has other issues he could wholeheartedly be embedded into. But he thinks maybe he thinks it's a safe one to go for. You know, it's OK to talk about uh, let's not vaccinate under fives because he's playing to his base. You know, there's a lot of like uh, anti-establishment pro kind of um fake news types uh, who follow him. And I think uh, also, you know, maybe there's a lot going on with the capital inquiry this week and it's easier to just have a pop off poor Elmo as I say poor Big Bird got it last time and uh, it prompted uh, President Biden to weigh in tweeting good on you Big Bird getting vaccinated is the best way to keep your neighbourhood safe this kind of thing I mean look at I don't agree I, I think Kieran I agree with you I don't really like the idea of the sort of having to rope in poor Elmo into these infomercials. But at the end of the day, they're not they're not dragging parents to have their under fives vaccinated. It really is just an information campaign. Yeah, and should be reminded in the United States, there have been in excess of one million deaths since the COVID-19 pandemic began. Let's move on to something else. And I'd imagine Ted Cruz would probably have an issue with this as well. This is a story from the UK where Halifax, which is one of the big banks in the United Kingdom, put out a tweet the other day showing a staff member who had her pronouns on her name badge. And it has upset a lot of people, bizarrely. Laura, take us through the story. Yeah, so Halifax is like a well-known, large UK bank, and it told customers that they're free to close their accounts with it if they disagree with their values. So this is a new policy uh, that, you know, if I'm wearing a badge and I'm a member of staff, I can include my pronouns underneath. Uh, not going to harm anyone. Uh, the bank shared a picture of this on Twitter with the badges. Um, and, and you know, so obviously there was a, a, one member of staff was a female, and underneath was her name was Gemma, and underneath was she, her, hers. And uh, it was pra- the move was praised by LGBTQ plus uh, charity, saying that this is really, uh, a, a, you know, a, a great move and allowing people in that community to have their identities respected. And look, at, at the end of the day, it's not it's not going to affect you if you have a bank account with Halifax. So, but it did uh, it did some customers are taking issue with this tweet and and prompting to close their bank account. Good luck to them because it's near impossible to close bank accounts and open <laughs> new ones, as we know here. So, I hope they have more luck than uh, other banking customers in this jurisdiction but uh, look at you know they're saying that they're striving for inclusion and equality and it's it's important for for big companies and brands to to at least make uh, these assertions and I suppose they have gone further than many others in their uh, in their areas so 
yeah, look, at, I, I think it's one of those storms in the teacup. If if employer if employees are happy with it, then there's no issue. Kieran, the UK are lurching into the culture wars, uh, full two feet straight into it, uh, and this is something just blew up. I mean, this is something tiny. This is for people who want to. And you see the other banks come out and say in the UK, look, if people want to wear these badges, let them. What harm does it do? Yeah, and it's actually it's it's an area where you can learn from um, people who are a lot younger than you. Like my my son is fourteen. And it, it really strikes me how accepting they are. Like, he uses pronouns on his Instagram, for example, and, like, nobody told him to. He, it's his own decision. And But how accepting himself and his friends are of trans people. And that's not, like, people say, oh, you're uh, metropolitan elite media, blah, blah, blah. But, like, my ne- nieces and nephews in, in Donegal, where I'm from, in rural Donegal, they're the exact same. You know, they, they just think, what's the big deal? Just get on with it. And that's what I don't understand. Like, it, it's just... Like this was, that's, uh, the story was made bigger because people want to ma- stoke outrage. You know, there's this mania for getting people outraged and that, you know, this is virtue signaling or whatever it woke. You know, all these cliches that are thrown out again and again. And most people, I don't think, generally really don't care. They just get on with it. People are, you know... Recently, there was a great documentary by Donald Taylor Black about the divorce referendum, the no side in 1995, and it's on YouTube now. It's an RT documentary. But it was a fly-in-the-wall documentary, and the late Justice Rory O'Hanlon was one of the... um one of those who, 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 who was heavily involved in the No campaign. And at one stage, he's reading the Irish Times and it's about a, uh, he's reading about a Mary Robinson speech. And, and somebody asked him, what's the speech about? And he says, oh, tolerance and what not. And the rest of people who just look at tolerance and what not and they roll their eyes. But there might be something to be said for it. Actually, let's just stick with that, Laura, because there's another story we want to cover, and this is something which Friends, the TV show, which ended a long time ago now, I think it ended in 2004, still very popular because it's on streaming on streaming sites. The, one of the co-writers of, of Friends, one of the co-producers of it, coming out and pointing out, well, actually, we kind of got it wrong around diversity because despite the show being set in the mid-90s in New York, it's very white. It's almost exclusively white. It is, and I mean, I, I'd be of the generation who probably watched it in the first round, and I see obviously how big it is now that it's not, it's being syndicated on Netflix and that, and and we had the big reunion with all the main characters, the Jennifer Aniston and Co. Only recently, and I suppose like if you watch any program that was made sort of in the nineties into the early early century, like they're all problematic. We're now watching through the prism of, of the former time. You know, we're in twenty twenty two. We know about Me Too. We know about Black Lives Matter. I think. Uh, I suppose every day is a school day for all of us. And and Marta Kaufman, she's the co-creator, and uh, she's saying that she recently pledged four million to her alma mater um, for African and American Studies Department because she feels that even at the time they didn't get it right. You know that if these young people were living in New York at that time, there would have been a lot more integration, and it wouldn't be. And uh, and I mean, I find it uncomfortable watching it now, and not not just for that reason, but I watched it. With, with my kids at one stage and I found it kind of uncomfortable for other reasons as well and just in terms yeah, of Kieran, gender it hasn't, re- hasn't really stood the test of time friends the way some other series have yeah but but it's amazing how many TV shows are like that that, that, that date very badly because there was a great uh, series in Channel 4 at one stage and it was it was called it was alright in the 60s it was alright in the 70s it was alright in the 80s or alright in the 90s now, there was, I think there was four different uh, episodes or whatever and some of the stuff, you know, you kind of forget, like, particularly in comedies, what was regarded as acceptable. 
and suddenly you look now and go, wow, how did that get on TV? And you don't even have to go back. The 70s, like, is, is nearly, you know, it's got 40 to 50 years ago. So, but there was, you know, even 90s comedies, now there's stuff you you just think, uh, it's be, yeah. you know, it just wouldn't, it wouldn't pass. Like, it wouldn't get, it wouldn't be green lit. No, green and lit. certainly, certainly in America, when you look at Friends and, you know, as Laura said there, you look at it and just think, wow, in a, in, in a city as diverse as New York, you have six people, all white, but all of their friends are white as well. Listen, we're out. I mean, let's... Let's be honest, they wouldn't have been able to afford to live in the apartment either, but that's another <laughs> that's a, day's work. A whole other topic. Uh, Kieran Cunningham, Chief Sports Writer from the Irish Daily Star, and Laura Byrne, Assistant Editor at the Journal.ie. Thank you very much for joining us. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here.